My guest today is an accomplished songwriter, singer, producer, and one half of the duo Downs Braid Association, who are releasing their third album, Skyscraper Souls. I'm pleased to welcome Chris Braid. Hi, Roy. How are you doing? Good, man. Nice to speak with you. Nice to speak with you. Are you in the U.S., in, in U.K.? Where are you now taking this call? I'm based in L.A. now. Oh, that's great. All right, cool. So for those that don't know a lot about your pop background, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you got started? I started off as an artist. I mean, I'm still an artist, but I started off as a solo artist, signed to Dave Stewart, had a label in the U.K., Dave Stewart from Eurythmics. Sure, he yeah. signed me to his label. We made an album in, in New York, um, Life in a Minor Key. It was recorded at Electric Lady and blah, blah, blah. You know, I did that whole thing and toured with Jewel and people like that and Squeeze and lots of lots of bands. And, wow. you know, I'm a producer that can sing. I think that's, that's my type of personality. I love to create. I love being in the studio. So I was always, I was always more comfortable in studios. And I remember actually making that first album with Dave and him saying to me, you know, this is like the fun bit. You know, it gets hard out there. Yeah. And um, all the promotion of my early records, you know, turning up at some kind of breakfast TV thing at seven in the morning. Before. But, you know, having said that, I did love the live performance element. And, of course, I was then in the producers with Trevor Horn and Steve Lips and all those guys. So I did, I did a bit more performance then. But I think I'm just a very um, kind of... Uh, I'm very comfortable in the recording studio. Yeah, that's what my passion is really making records. So then you you got into I guess the, some of the more uh, I don't know writing some like pop hits and I, I know you work with Sia and stuff like that. Is that where how did you find yourself in that world? Well, I, I I'm a writer. I'm a songwriter. I've always written my own songs, so it was just a natural progression really to you know um, write with other artists. I mean, I like writing with artists. I don't think I'm. I don't think of myself as a professional songwriter. Sometimes I find the terminology "professional songwriter" a little bit corny. <laughs> I, I, I'm good work working with other people that I think are like me. So you mentioned Sia, somebody like that. She's just a pure artist, you know. Yeah. She's not a song. She's not a song. A professional songwriter. She's an artist who writes her in her own style. So I've always really enjoyed writing like that. You know, I'm not. I mean, I'm not to take anything away from you know professional songwriters out there that do that you know every day day in day out but i couldn't do that i couldn't right. write every day i don't know how they do it <laughs> i think that kind of you know sort of work ethic is, is you know i think it could kind of do your head in yeah I've, I've heard i know some people that that have had to do that you know get flown up for a songwriting session over a weekend with with another songwriter and they have to sit in a room for three days and come up with something that seems yeah. that seems I, difficult. I just can't do that. I mean, I can do it. You know, if you said, "Look, you need to write a song now for this," you know, I can do it because it's kind of you know, I, I've learned the craft over the years. Of, of, I can sit at the piano and write you any song you want. You know, I don't find it difficult, but I don't particularly enjoy doing that. Right. You know, I mean, I like to. I sort of honor it. Really, I think it's a. I think it's an art form, like anything, like any art form. Yeah, and sure. I think there's sort of cheap in it. It's just uh, it, it, I'd fall out of love with it. I think. So all my favorite songwriters were artists that wrote their own songs. Right. Yeah. Me too. Absolutely. Um, so how did you get together with with Jeff Downs, and and were you a fan of of his music, or did you know him f uh, sort of from scratch? Oh, I was a big Jeff Downs fan. Yeah. I mean, I loved that first album that the Boggles did. You know, 
um, the age of plastic was really, yeah. you know, I, I love the whole record. I love the sound of the keyboards on it. You know, I like the drama album <clears throat> at the time. I remember them joining Yes at the time, reading it in, in the enemy and thinking, wow, that's, that's bonkers. But I loved it. <laughs> and so I've always been a fan of his keyboard playing and I loved his chords. You know, the, the, I mean, the, the intro of um, Video Killer Radio starts pure him. Yeah. Without the keyboards, that record wouldn't, it wouldn't exist in the same way. Yeah. And so I've always been a fan of his playing and chord sequences and stuff. So we met during a charity event in London. We were we were playing at, we were on stage together and uh, we played a, a show and we just got on really well, you know, and I was kind of chatting to him and I said, oh, I'm a big fan, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And I said, but unfortunately, I'm moving to the U.S. next month. So we just met, and I was leaving the U.K. And he said, well, that's okay, because I'm on tour with Yes. So I'll come see you when I'm out there. And so it goes on from there, really. We just kind of hit it off. That's great. So how long before you decide to start writing, and then it becomes an album, and it, it, it you know evolves into this whole thing? It was actually very quick, you know, because I'd moved to the States. Jeff came over to my house that I just kind of got in, in Los Angeles and, you know, within a, within a few weeks, really. And, and we just, I think we just started kind of knocking around the idea of writing together. Let's write and see what happens. Yeah. And then before you know it, we've done, I don't know, nine songs or something. It's, Hold on a minute. It's, they call nine songs an album. <laughs> <laughs> so it, was, it kind of went from there, really. No, that's I mean, cool. I never thought that we'd be doing a third album right you know so um, it's one of those things when you have a connection with someone he'll send me a piano part there's a song on the new album called um, Glacier Girl so he'd send me like the basic sort of piano part which which is the initial sketch and since I hear it I just I kind of know what to write to it you know it's one of those things that you have some kind of telepathic connection with a with a fellow muso it's kind of it is. It is really. Uh, it sounds sort of easily in place. Your voice with his keyboards, for sure. And I think that's what makes it makes it work. It just sounds good. I don't. I think it's that's almost right. as simple as that. Yeah, I think you know when when it's not forced. You know, you can really that comes through in a record, doesn't it? Or any any anything really, any kind of you know art sort of um, like art form, whatever. If it's if it's forced or it's contrived, you can yeah. usually tell and. I don't. I don't ever find that with writing with Jeff. It's never like I've really got to work really hard to try and finish something. It they just kind of materialize. Well, I have to tell you, for me personally, this is totally true. Uh, I go back to the Suburban Ghosts uh, album a lot. Um, it, uh-huh. It's a good. I, I can't explain it. Sometimes you you listen to like a lot some metal stuff, and sometimes you listen to some pop stuff and then then there's like that album for me that just fits right there in the middle that is always good to listen to i I, and it's totally totally true not just blowing smoke but um uh what i found what i and now having the third one going back and, and sort of comparing the two uh there seems to be and tell me if i'm wrong but uh, like Suburban Ghosts was a sort of a repeating theme and you had that part one, two, and three that takes up a, a bulk of that album. And then on this yeah. one, you have the Skyscraper Soul, which is a really long one that has some parts repeated throughout the album. Is that sort of, yeah. are, is there a central theme that helps you 
finish an album you go okay well this is sort of what we're working around and it it becomes the that's sort of the theme of the record or something like that yeah i think so i mean i think you know you need some kind of muse don't you so whether it's uh you know a script if i'm working on you know music for movies you know the script gives you the ignition you know or there's you know you you're recording a bunch of songs and one of them sticks out as a you know this one's the yeah the, the strongest one you know so I've always tried to have themes because I, otherwise you're just arbitrarily kind of writing songs for for what for you know the sake of it. Uh, the world doesn't need another song, <laughs> right? Maybe it needs something with uh, you know some kind of meaning behind it. I, the older I get, the more I have to write about things that mean something to me personally. I can, you know, going back to what we were talking about before. You know, I can sit down and write you a song for an advert quite easily, but I'm not going to love it ever. You know, right. But the songs that I write for myself or for, you know, DBA or whatever project uh, has my personal kind of, you know, um, soul in it, if you like. They're usually about things that I'm going through or, or things that I'm trying to kind of um, exercise, if you like. Right. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, themes, albums for me, my favorite albums always have themes. And, you know, even um, if I think about um, something like the the infected that album was a concept album you know people say concept album and they freak out and go shit you know <laughs> right about like a dragon or something you know but all my favorite albums had themes you know kate bush albums they all had themes and uh, i was trying to have have that throughout you know an album i'm working on it gives me a, a sort of vision of it if you like yeah, I, I think that's what that's what comes across. I think um, also what's interesting is so you have it's sort of in the, the scope of, of a kind of a pop record, but then you have an eighteen minute song, so that sort of makes things a little bit different. How did you, you know, I know a lot of artists don't set out to write. I, I want to write an eighteen minute song, but how does it end up getting there? And and did you ever at some point because there is that four-minute single version that you released, which easily easily could have just been the song, right? So, had, been, yeah. Had, yeah, you know, how did you decide, no, with this one, let's let's be a, a adventurous. Let's see where it goes. Well, I mean, that four-minute version is an edit of all the bits, you know, so the main section edited together. So it wasn't like it was a four-minute song and then I just extended it for the sake of it. It was, right. it was right. written as a, a big piece because I love those albums like, you know, Tubular Bells, Close to the Edge, all those records from my youth that I used to kind of like drift away and just, you know, listen to for hours with headphones on. And, but at the same time, I'm a, I'm a huge pop fan as well. I, I, don't, I honestly don't understand how people can be so prejudiced against one or the other. You know, right. for me, the perfect three-minute pop song is absolutely is it, i love it. it it's like a perfect art medium but at the same time you know a whole piece like tubular bells or omadorn or close to the edge or a sky of honey on this on side two of ariel by kate bush perfectly beautiful and I, i'll take that as well you know so yeah. I've, I've said this before that I'm a, I'm a big johnny marr and smith's fan but i know that johnny marr hates bands like yes and Genesis, but I love Yes and Genesis and the Smiths. So <laughs> right. I, don't get, I don't get that whole like you know you must only like this style of music, and if you like the other, then you know you'll be banished forever. You know, so I, I love all kinds of music, but I think um, 
the expensive sidelong pieces, if you like, are the, are the, are the things I really love. Well, I agree. I, I mean, why, yeah. that's, always, that's always been, for me, my favorite. And if you could take a band like Queen that could do all of it and, you yeah. know, put Bohemian Rhapsody with, the, you know, You're My Best Friend on the same album, why not? You know, if you can do it and yeah. do it right. But also, you know, Yes did that. You know, all these, all these like, hardcore prog fans out there that, that maybe think that, you know, something like this new album of our Skyscraper Souls is really a pop album with uh, progressive kind of, you know, delusions or whatever. But actually, you know, if you go back to the Yes album and... Um, you know, um, seeing all good people and things like that. They're just pop songs. Right. You know, they're just long. And then you get, <laughs> right? yeah, <laughs> they're just long, but they're pop songs. I mean, you know, going back to time and a word and things like that, it's, it's all just pop music, you know, really. Yes. We're a great pop band. They just happen to have some incredible virtuoso musicians in there that could extend pieces and, you know, make them, make them sort of, you know, flesh them out a little bit. Yeah. That's but they're right. Essentially pop, pop writers. Yeah, no, yeah, totally. Um, uh, where does where does a song like "Skyscraper Souls" begin? Was it was it something that you came up with, or Jeff sent you some some chord arrangements? Where does a song like that start? I mean, with the whole thing this time, Jeff was on tour and he's had a few bits and pieces lying around, or he'd be in a hotel room and he'd work on a you know a couple of bits, so he'd send over files, you know, or logic initial sort of logic sessions, and then I'd you know extend them and add um you know like the skyscraper souls the actual track he had the verse chord progression that whole ascending descending thing which is great and then i added the you know how can i stop myself from falling those chords so i'd add like a section to his section and then you know and then he'd send me a few more bits and i think well you know maybe that's not a song because it's only you know like four chords and a riff or something but it could be a great part in the middle of a skyscraper, you know, and then suddenly it became like I started to stitch these things together, almost like making a editing a movie together. Yeah. And then I just got into it. You know, I just, I didn't want it to end. I just thought, you know, okay, I've got a vision of this now. This is like, I mean, the theme of that song is about, you know, uh, the human soul searching for its sort of place in this mortal world, you know. So, I mean, a big concept, you know, it's something that I think about a lot. And so it needed to be substantial. It couldn't just be, I couldn't write about a subject like that and it fade out after three minutes. <laughs> <laughs> right. <You know? laughs> right. Yeah. Well, that's another reason why some of these songs get, get to be so long in the prog world because the, the, the subject matter is really like intense, you know, sometimes. Yeah. Um, you got, you have a lot of guests, like pretty crazy, awesome guests on this album. Um, know. you know, Kate, Kate Pearson and Mark Almond and David Longden and uh, names like that. So how, how did that happen that, did you guys set out to do that or was it accident? Um, I mean, I know all those people because I've worked on, I produced, uh, an album for Mark Almond a couple of years ago called The Velvet Trail. So we were working together anyway and we forged this great friendship and as you do, you know, you, you kind of just get to know people and. And then it's a case of like, hey, um, by the way, you know, which is how it happened with Mark. I said, look, I'm working on... He knew that uh, the DBA stuff because he... Um, one of his favorite songs, actually, is Dreaming of England from the last album. He absolutely loved that song. And so I said, look, we're working on another one at the moment. And there's one song that's coming together called Skin Deep. It's, it's, the subject is very kind of like the kind of thing that I think you'd like. 
would you fancy singing on it with me? And he's like, of course, you know. So it was really a case of like calling up some of my mates and saying, you know, do you fancy doing it? Same with Andy Partridge. Uh, we were just, you know, we were chatting one day, and I said, look, I'm doing this new thing with Jeff. We need some, need some of your crazy fab guitar because, I mean, Andy's he's such a brilliant kind of obscure player, mm-hmm. you know. He really does play in a different way. And um, the first song that he played on was Darker Times, and he said, you know, something like this, meaning like he was going to redo it. I was like, no, that's it, you know. So it was, it was really a case of like calling up mates and, and them contributing the, you know, their greatness. It was wonderful. Yeah, no, that, that uh, it, it does add a little bit. And when I was first listening to the album without knowing like that Kate Pearson was on it, it's very interest, like different to hear a voice like that coming into the music, and you're like, "That's got to be somebody." It sounds too familiar. Um, yeah. Which uh, what a great voice! I love yeah. Kate's voice. And again, I'd worked on Kate's album "Guitars and Microphones." I, I wrote, co-wrote that that title track with her and a couple of others on there. So we'd got we'd had a, a sort of working relationship over the past few years, and again, I just you know I love her voice so much. I said, "Will you sing on this?" And it's like, "Of course," you know. So it could have been, you know, there's a like, little bit of trepidation and fear that everybody was going to turn around and say, oh, no, thanks, mate, you know, I'm too busy. But, of course, none of them did that. No, that's great. that's super cool when, 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 they, when you call and they say yes, right? So, yeah. Um, exactly. You know, being somebody that's, that's had uh, success with some, uh, you know, some big uh, uh, artists that are current and are on the radio and, and all that kind of stuff, and then sort of seeing, yeah. you know, working with somebody like Jeff in the progressive rock world where it's seemingly way more difficult to sell records now, maybe all over the place, but is it, do you see sort of a contrasting difference? Is it, do you see the difficulties in sort of the prog genre versus the pop genre or, or is it sort of a, a, all the same to you with looking at it from as a, as an artist that's in both? It's all the same to me. I honestly don't think that, um, Skyscraper Souls is particularly any different to to what I do, in, you know, with anyone else. I mean, it happens to be longer that particular song, but something like Skin Deep, or you know, even like Angel on Your Shoulder. I know it's it's six minutes long or whatever, but it's just a pop song. You know, if I sat and played you that at the piano, it's just a pop song with a lyric that means something mm-hmm. and a nice melody. So for me, it's all the same thing. I don't think of things like that. I mean, I think if it was so radically different. maybe you know you could say yes it's you know it's a real departure but i i just do what i do you know and i think with you know this album or the approach you know to dba in general it's more free it's it's less um about you know is it going to sell will it get played on the radio because sometimes you do need to keep some of that kind of you know philosophy otherwise Mm -hmm. you just just get sucked into the machine you know, we all have to do what, what, what makes money, you know, otherwise we can't eat, you know. Right. We're all in the same boat in terms of that. But if you can keep something that's pure and just unadulterated and, and, and remind yourself why you did it in the first place, then you can kind of keep your soul intact. And that's what DBA is for me. If 10 people buy it, I don't care. Right. You know, if, if 10,000 people buy it, then great, you know. Yeah. No, that's a great that's a great thing to have. You know, um, you, uh, you probably know Jem Godfrey, right? 
from uh, I don't I don't know him, but I know who he is. Yeah, yeah so I think that well, in, yeah, and talking to him about why he how he got into doing Frost because he was also you know UK pop songwriter that kind of stuff, and he that right. that that was his thing too that he had sort of too many pop songs you couldn't take it anymore, and he had to do write something else just to stay sane, and ended up writing right. this yeah. progressive rock album out of nowhere. Well, there you go. I mean, it's really. Um, I think you know that's why working in in um, movies for me is is so rewarding as well because you you can just be a little bit more free with it. You know, you're not being sort of bashed over the head and told it's got to it's got to fade out after this amount of minutes or the drums have got to be like this or whatever it is. You know, you can be a bit more adventurous. Like filmmakers are still adventurous. It's a, it's one of the mediums where you can really take risks still, and actually people re- applaud you for it. Yeah. Whereas I think with pop music, it, you have to kind of, you know, there are certain rules that you have to adhere to. What What is the most difficult challenge for you in writing a pop pop song now with for radio for a hit record? You know, working with an artist like Selena Gomez, let's say, or something. What what's the what's the rules? What's the biggest challenge that you're given from the record label or A and R or something when you're dealing with that? That that's sort of a frustration. I mean, I don't really have that so much anymore, to be honest, because people in the business know what it is that I do, and if this, you know, if a manager or a label is sending their artists to me, they they're sending them here for a reason. They're going to get a certain aesthetic, mm. you know, and maybe you're going to get something a bit more adventurous, chord wise, or you know, if I think of like a song that Sierra and I wrote for The Great Gatsby, a song called Kill and Run. I mean, you know, those chords are pretty wild. I mean, it modulates key about three times, and but it totally works. And for me, I, I, I just love bringing some of that kind of um, that love of, you know, r- nice chords and nice and surprises into into contemporary pop music. And, and artists appreciate that. Cause sometimes I'll work with a young artist, and they'll go, shit, I've never heard that call before, you know. <laughs> right. So I, I get off on that. I think, you know, it's okay, you know, to have four chords going round over a loop, but soon, you know, that, that pool is going to become so diluted, you know, we're all copying off the same kind of, uh, sort of, you know, the same kind of um, template. You know, we've got to bring some stuff back from, from you know, a little bit back, bit further yeah. back, and that's what I try and do, and I think, you know, that, that people appreciate that, so I'm not really constrained too much. People like what I do, and uh, or they wouldn't work with me, you know. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, hey, well, thanks for bringing some different chords to pop music. That's uh, much <laughs> much needed because it gets stale out there sometimes. So we need oh, we yeah. need people like you to to mix it up. Um, well, cool, man. Hey, I always love picking the brain of somebody like you and and uh, find out what's going on. And um, I'm I'm a big fan. I mean, I've been a fan of Jeff and Yes and Asia and Buggles and all that for decades, and and getting to know your music has been has been great. I love the DBA stuff, so um, awesome. absolutely great, great album. And uh, yeah, I hope you sell more than ten copies. <laughs> so do I. <laughs> all right, man. Have a good weekend. I'll t- I'll uh, hopefully see you around. All right, mate. Thanks. Thank you, man. Bye. Thanks to Chris for the interview. We're going to close with a little bit of the title track from the Skyscraper Souls album. You can get that album out now. For upcoming news and interviews, please check theparkreport.com, follow us on Facebook, at The Park Report on Twitter, or download the podcast on iTunes. Thanks.
Can 